Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The FT. We said mortgage rates couldn't fall further, but they have. How sustainable are sub-2% deals? Advisors say absolute return funds aren't right for their clients. So who are they suitable for? And Islamic banks say they can't pay you interest, but can give you 4%. How do these accounts work? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money. Tiny Poli. Hello. Alice Ross. Hello. And Elaine Moore. Hello. And our special studio guest, Ed Moyson, Head of Research at Fund Analysts Lipper. Hello. Let's start then with the money news. This week, the cost of a two-year fixed-rate mortgage fell to an all-time low. On Tuesday, Leeds Building Society launched the lowest ever two-year fixed rate of 1.99%. And by setting its new rate below 2%, Leeds has brought the cost of a fixed-rate mortgage in line with the cheapest tracker-rate mortgages for the first time in years. However, brokers have warned borrowers that mortgage rates are unlikely to remain this low for long. Several lenders increased the cost of their tracker deals in the past week in response to a rise in the cost of wholesale funding driven by the Eurozone debt crisis. Then, a report by Capital Economics published this week warned that mortgage credit was likely to remain restricted and potentially more expensive due to the escalating debt crisis. Tanya, sitting in this chair uh, just a few weeks ago, I confidently predicted that rates could not go any lower. I was wrong then. Uh, Would I be wrong to say it now? Well, I think you might be a bit more on the money this time round. There seems to be a few more signs that actually um, rates are starting to go up already. Like you said earlier, um, several lenders have already increased the cost of their tracker mortgages in recent weeks, and another one did so this week. and I think a lot of people are surprised, actually, that um, two-year fixes have fallen that down this low. I mean, it's only one lender that has actually got a rate below 2%. That's Lee's Building Society, which did it this week. Um, and a lot of people are slightly saying that they don't actually think um, um, rates, other, other lenders will follow that way because um, the cost of funds aren't actually making it that um, cheap for them to offer this sort of rate at that level. And um, obviously there's this worry that the Eurozone debt crisis, um, which we're already seeing is having an effect on mortgage rates, is going to have a worse effect in the coming months. And with um, concerns about uh, the cost of wholesale funding uh, uh, pushing up um, the tracker rate margins, Mm -hmm. are we getting a position where in some instances 
trackers are more expensive than fixed rates. We are. Some lenders are actually offering cheaper two-year fixes than two-year trackers, which is really unusual because um, it's something we haven't seen for years. Um, up until now, um, basically, mortgage brokers have always been saying um, go for the trackers because they've been significantly cheaper than the corresponding two-year fixed rate. Um, we've had Woolwich last week. I think they basically um, increased their tracker rates, which now means their two-year fix um, is cheaper than their two-year tracker. A lot of other lenders in the market are actually offering um, two-year trackers and two-year fixes at the same rate. Um, so I guess if you're looking at kind of doing a two-year deal um, at the moment, if you're looking to remortgage or you're about to buy a house, um, a lot of brokers actually giving advice that it's probably worthwhile going for a two-year fix because you're not really going to lose out. I mean, like you're obviously going to have the security of your payments the next two years. The only downside would be if the Bank of England does decide to um, actually cut rates from 0.5 to 0.25%, which some economists have kind of floated around the idea that this could happen. Um, but, you know, who knows what will, what will come. And it's always been the, the Bank of England base rate that people have looked to when trying to gauge the future cost of a tracker mortgage. Mm-hmm. But it sounds to me now as if... No matter what happens to the Bank of England base rate, it's it's, it's the wholesale funding markets that are really going to drive the cost. Yes, so yes. if if the base rate is held, mm-hmm. trackers could still become more expensive. That's right. I mean, basically everyone I've spoken to this week said all eyes are on the Eurozone debt crisis. I mean, this is what's really going to be affecting rates going forward. Um, you can't think just because everyone's talking about how the Bank of England base rate is likely to be you know, kept at 0.5% for the next two years. You can't think that that necessarily means your tracker rate's not going to, um, you know, change. Or Well, you're, if you're on a tracker rate now, it won't change. But obviously, if you're looking to get a new one now, um, they could become significantly more expensive in the coming weeks and months. And just finally, um, just to repeat the, uh, the the good old FT money mantra, you've always got to look at the small print, the terms and conditions. Yes. It's not as simple as the headline rate, is it? Always? Yes, that's right. Um with Leeds, as a, as a prime example, um, I mentioned this in my piece this weekend, but basically um, they actually calculate um, the interest on a, um annual basis rather than a daily basis that most lenders do. So that actually means the effective rate won't be 1.99%. It's more likely to be 2.14%. Um, so for those of you that are kind of comparing other deals, bear that in mind. I think Leeds are being a bit sneaky by kind of advertising this rate because obviously when you look down into the terms and conditions, um, that's not necessarily the rate you're going to be getting. Um, they're one of the few lenders that actually do it that way. So always look at the terms and conditions. Um, that's, have, that's still cheap though, isn't it? 2.14. That's still, yeah. I mean, that's still the cheapest two-year fix in the market. Um, the next one's, I think, 2.24 um, from the mortgage works um but the other area that you need to look at um a lot of the deals the cheap deals at the moment come with these big fees i mean we've written several articles about that recently but you always need to look at whether that's the best deal for you sometimes a more expensive rate but with a lower fee could work out the better option and the rule of thumb is generally uh, look at the amount you're borrowing in terms of uh, working out whether the fee bumps up the cost yes definitely Tanya, thank you very much indeed for that. And for more on the differential between the lowest fixed rates and the lowest tracker rates, make sure you read Tanya's article in the money section of this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, why savers are taking interest but not receiving any in Islamic bank accounts. First, though, absolute return funds. In sustained periods of market volatility, these funds, which aim to produce positive absolute returns over a three-year period in any market conditions, can look particularly attractive. It's little wonder, then, that these funds attracted an average of £162 million a month over the summer. 
However, in August, the height of the market meltdown, the UK absolute return fund sector saw a net outflow of £122 million, the largest outflow since the sector's formation. And now an FT poll reveals that 55% of financial advisors don't recommend these funds. Alice, just looking at these figures, um, you'd, you know, you'd think that absolute return funds would be great for risk-averse investors, but what's putting people off? Well, I think the main thing that may be putting them off is the performance of the funds. Um, so as you say, they aim to produce an absolute return. Um, most of them actually uh, over even 12 months period, so even a shorter time than three years. Um, and the reality, sadly, is that a lot of them aren't producing those returns. Um, I'm just here with Ed Moyson at Lipper. Ed, uh, what, you've kind of been running the numbers on absolute return funds this week. Um, are they all protecting investors against the stock market falls? Um, no, I, th- I think what we're beginning to see is is a big divide between those guys that are really good at, at delivering positive returns and and the and the sort of the bottom of the heap, which you know, to be honest, a lot of them, or some of them, are failing to deliver positive twelve month periods at all. So when we started running the numbers, looking at uh, rolling twelve month periods, so seeing how consistently they were generating positive returns. Just over half of this universe of funds were managing to do this at least three quarters of the time. So uh, three quarters of the time for me being a reasonable uh, benchmark to say, OK, these guys have been pretty good at delivering positive returns. But the bottom end of the heap is around 13 percent of funds failing to deliver positive returns uh, at least half the time. So most of the time they're failing to deliver a positive return. So obviously, if you're investing in them, you, you want to be in, in, in the group that are doing well and, and avoid avoid those guys that are just obviously completely unable to deliver positive returns. And why do you think that it is that some of them are failing to deliver these returns? Because they use all sorts of different strategies, but you would kind of expect that maybe in times of market volatility, because a lot of them can go long and short, you know, just like hedge funds. So you would think that maybe when times are volatile, that some of them would actually be, you know, profiting from the kind of strategies they use. Absolutely. And, and that is their whole, the whole sort of raison d'etre is we use different strategies, but our goal is to come out with a positive return. Uh, but I think uh, partly because absolute return can include um, a diversity of, of what the funds are actually investing. So some of them will be investing primarily in bonds, others using equities, um, and then absolutely using derivatives to try and manage the portfolio so that they can deliver positive returns, even if the, the broader market environment is tough for those for those investments. Um, and I think part of these return, the, the, the variation in returns that we see partly is explained by what exactly these guys are investing in. And of course, a lot of these funds will also have performance fees. Um, so they'll also charge you for outperforming a benchmark, which in the case of some of them might even mean that they had lost money, but you were still being charged a performance fee if the benchmark had lost more money. I mean, do you think uh, across the fund industry generally, do you think that that's, it's not really normal to charge a performance fee, is it? Yeah, it's still, it's still very much uh, a rarity to be charging performance fees. And I wouldn't be surprised if at least some of this uh, pushback against absolute return is linked to that, is linked to the wider scepticism that's entering the market about performance-related fees. So the fact that they're absolutely absolute return funds is, is 
not all the time, but it could be part of the uh, a sort of a, an incidental element, and it's, it could well be that the performance fee is what's putting investors off. And just finally, another thing that may confuse investors is the actual name of these funds. You know, they are called absolute return now. You and I know that that means that they aim to produce an absolute return over a 12-month period. I think if you were the investor on the street, you might think absolute return, great, maybe I'll at least get 100% of my money back. Maybe I won't make money, but I won't lose money. That's not the case. Um, how do you think investors can kind of navigate the sector and and what purpose would an absolute return fund have in their portfolio? Uh, well, on the naming, I think there's an onus on fund companies to be as clear as possible in describing exactly what they are doing, because as we just said, they're doing lots of different things. On the investors part, you know, make sure at the very least you've, you've read the you know, the regulatory documents relating to the fund, i.e. what is the fund's investment objective? Its aim might be to generate a positive return over three years, one year, you know, it can vary. Um, so, um, it's you know, make sure you do your homework. And, you know, if you're using a financial advisor, hopefully they will have done a lot of homework on these things as well. Mm, thank you, Ed. Yes, thanks, Ed. And uh, Alice, I mean, for, for me, one of the most telling things that came out of our survey was, I think it was at 33% of advisors saying they thought the name was misleading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it is an issue. It is a, it is a big issue. Um, but for more on absolute return funds, their performance, the charges and their appeal to investors or lack of it, uh, look out for Alice's article in the money section of this weekend's FT and on the website at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, saving with Islamic banks. Last week on the show, we looked at the high street names appearing in the Best Buy tables for savings accounts. But this week, a new name appeared at the top of the charts, the Islamic Bank of Britain, which now offers the highest paying two-year fixed rate account, offering a return of 4%. Look closely at the tables for large lump sum deposits of £50,000 or more and you'll see another relatively new name, the Bank of London and the Middle East, which offers returns of up to 4.8% over five years. Both are banks that are offering only products that comply with Sharia principles, so they cannot pay interest. How, then, do they offer these returns and who can get them? Elaine, these returns look very good uh, on paper. How are they generated? It's confusing, isn't it? Because if you look at the rates, and we've run in this week's FT Money, we've got a chart showing some of the best high street rates of return for savings accounts and these Islamic banking rates. And they're very similar. The Islamic banking rates are slightly up. So the Islamic banks obviously have one eye on the high street savings rates and they're aiming to just slightly outcompete them. What we need to point out is that the rates that are on offer, they're not interest rates. They're called anticipated profit rate. Sharia law says that interest cannot be earned from any money that's loaned out, so from mortgages. And it also cannot be paid out on any money that's put in. So that's for current accounts or or savings accounts. So what happens is instead of being an, uh, an interest rate, you get a profit. So you and the bank enter into this agreement. The money that you pay in is used to invest into something. It's usually property, but it has to be some kind of ethical uh, activity. So it never can be invested in something like tobacco or alcohol. The returns that are gathered from that are then split between you and the bank. You and the bank work that out. That might be 50-50, or the bank might take a, a slice of the profit at the very end, and you then get the return. One of the real 
interesting things to point out is this rate is not guaranteed. So this is how they differ from high street savings rates. So the rate that's quoted is not necessarily what you will see added to your account at the end of the two years. Well, sort of. The banks have said to me that actually it's never happened that the rate that's been paid out is less than the rate that was advertised. But because it's not an interest rate, they are not allowed to say that they're guaranteeing this rate of return. It's a profit. The the um, investment might uh, change over time, so you might not get that money back. But what they do is if they monitor the investment over the time, and if at some period throughout the year the investment's not doing very well, they'll write to you, they'll say, this investment might not pay out the rate we thought. You can take your money now and you can take the interest rate up to this period, or you can leave the money in and get a slightly lower interest rate. Uh, how appealing um, are these offers proving you know, beyond the Islamic community, but you know, to the wider community of savers? They appear to be proving very successful. Uh, one of the banks that I spoke to, so this is the uh, Bank of London in the Middle East, they only very recently started to advertise in mainstream comparison tables, money supermarket, money facts. Uh, and they say that since then, this is in, only in August this year, they've seen a fourfold increase in the deposits coming in. This is the bank that requires you to put £50,000 in minimum in order to get the rates. So there's obviously people out there with pools of money desperately looking for somewhere that's going to pay above the uh, Bank of England base rate plus some more who are willing to invest in them. So it's uh, both the banks have said that it's Muslims and non-Muslims. They seem to be split across the middle. It's just people who want good rates at the moment. And looking uh, across different timescales, uh, we, we've talked about the, the two-year um, fixed rate uh, market having uh, um, Islamic Bank of Britain at the top of the table right now. Um, what about other time periods? Pretty much across all time periods, the Islamic banks are coming out on top. So the only one that differs is the one year. Cheshire Building Society is beating all all comers and they're paying 3.55% on, and that's a minimum investment of £100. So you can't get better than that anywhere else. Two years, three years, four years, five years, that's all Islamic banks. But with the caveat that for three of those rates, this is for three years, for example, you get 4.3%, five years get 4.8%, you need to put in £50,000 first. So this is not for everybody. No, and, uh, and presumably there are, uh, there are sort of competing rates for lower sums on the high street. There are. So if we look at five years, for example, Saga's offering 4.65. So you're only getting a slight edge more for your £50,000. If you're going for Saga, you only have to put a pound in minimum. So you can do a lot better. So, yeah, if you're over 50, there are, there are other options. Um, thanks for that, uh, Elaine, and for a comparison of the best rates from Islamic banks and the best uh, that are available on the high street. Make sure you read Elaine's article in the money section of this weekend's FT. That's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you'll find all of these stories, plus daily news updates, blog posts and top tips on our website, ft.com forward slash money. You can follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash FT Money. And if you have a question that you'd like us to answer about any aspect of your finances, just email us. The address is money at ft.com. Next week, we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from Elaine, Alice, Tanya and our special guest, Ed Moyson from Lipper. Goodbye. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.